This is an EO APAC production, and the Phoenix is rising. This is episode 4, and today we head to Singapore to hear yet another story of life pivots and its twists and turns. Today I have with me Shamin Tan, the founder of QuickDesk, a solutions-as-a-service company focusing on providing digital tools to assist in enhancing productivity and efficiency of sales and marketing teams. QuickDesk was founded in 2014, but that wasn't her first business. In 2011, during a university stint in Sweden, she founded a company called Isgloves, which created winter gloves with touchscreen capabilities. Unfortunately, due to the changes in technology, she had to close that down. But through that process, discovered a world of how people struggle through sales. In 2019, Shamin was also named the Forbes 30 Under 30. And it's amazing what she's achieved in such a young age. Ladies and gentlemen, Shamin Tan. Welcome. Thanks for having me at this EO APEC podcast series. Awesome. Uh, love to have uh, you on this show today. Shamin, first question I wanted to ask you. I wanted to just rewind the time a little bit. At the age of 22, not too long ago, while most people were partying, you started East Gloves. What, what 21. 21? Yeah. Okay. What motivated you to do that? Always wanted to run a business when I was 14. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, I think there's always a debate of nature versus nurture. And I would have to say there's a huge chunk of it as nature. Um, what, what would I know as a 14-year-old wanting to run a business, right? So I would guess I got my dad's genes and DNA. So when I turned 21, I went to Sweden to work and study. Um, and I think, you know, in Sweden, a lot of us chase passion, do innovation. There is a bit less fear of like failure. People are a lot bit more risk adverse. And that allowed me to really come out of my comfort zone and say, hey, let's just try. And I remember that year I, I turned 21. Um, and I know in Singapore, turning 21 is a very big thing. So I was like, you know, what can I do as I turned into an adult this year? What's something special? And I remember um, in the first month that I was in Sweden, I, I helped out in an event called Startup Bootcamp for kids that are between 16 and 18 years old. I spoke to this 17-year-old boy and, and he said, hey, I, I'm currently running a mobile apps company. We're making about a million a year. And I was like, whoa, this guy, 17, making a million a year. Me, 20, turning 21. What have I achieved? Hmm, school, pretty much. Okay, I'm turning 21 this year. Let's start a business. And of course, it was just an idea. Like, hey, I want to start a business. The question is what, right? So coincidentally, I couldn't use my iPhone out in the cold uh, because, you know, that my dad gave me a tw 21st birthday present, which is the iPhone 4. If you guys remember, this really small iPhone. And mm -hmm. uh, it was so cold. Sweden was like minus 20 degrees Celsius for like six months. A normal glove just doesn't work. You know how people were using iPhones? They're using their nose and swiping the phones. Oh, wow. so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, because of that, um, that got me started to say, hey, what about finding a solution that could allow you to use your iPhone out in the cold. I couldn't really find one that's warm enough. Uh, and I, I suddenly had an idea to create a double-layered mitten gloves that allow you to use your iPhone. And pitched it into a business plan competition. And that is the start of a journey of entrepreneurship. Wow. So you got your funds to run the business from that competition? 
No. So I, I knew I was coming back to Singapore. And I heard that Singapore had a lot of funding mechanism. So I called back Singapore NUS Enterprise, which is housing all the NUS overseas college students. I called back and asked, hey, you know, um, I have this idea. I want to raise funds. How do I help do raise funds? They were like, oh, yeah, I know the government has certain grants to allow you to raise funds as long as you can get a patent for your product. And I said, okay, let's see whether I can get a patent. Spoke to the intellectual property uh, IPO office and they said, yeah, you know, your product is quite innovative. There's nothing like that in the market so far. Yes, you can write a patent for it. And because of that, uh, the government said, okay, we'll fund you. So I got a 50K grant uh, funding from Singapore by Skyping back to Singapore. It was quite an interesting journey because, I mean, at the point in time, online conferencing still not so too popular like post-COVID times. Uh, literally, I still remember wearing my FBT shorts and my, my top, uh, former shirt on the top and like, hey guys, I'm fundraising and all. So it was quite fun. Uh, well, but that's kind of the norm today. today, right? Yeah, it is the norm. Going the Zoom calls and stuff. But yeah, we did that. I did that since like before today. Awesome. Now I'm curious. Uh, why Sweden? Many many people, you know, go to the normal Australia and the US. It's weird that you were in Sweden. Oh, okay. So NUS had a few options: China, Shanghai, Beijing, uh, India, Bangalore, and Mumbai, I think, and then. US, Silicon Valley, Bio Valley, and Sweden. So typically, people who are software engineers trained will go Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And my Chinese is not that good, so going China will suffer. Um, we thought like Sweden is a very interesting place because um, I, I read up a lot about how innovative they are, a lot of great innovations that come out of Sweden. And there's a lot of hardware tech companies. Compared to in Silicon Valley, there's a lot more software tech companies. And as I was reading through all the different kind of innovations, a lot of them are very science-based. I was like, hey, you know, I'm a science student. Uh, I guess doing a science-based innovative, working for a science-based innovative company will be a good fit for me. And that led me to Sweden. Okay, so you got your funding. Uh, you were 21. So you started your business in Sweden itself. You had a patent. You created a great business. You solved the problem. So what happened to the business? Oh, okay. So interesting, right? So we got a patent. So what happened right next was that, okay, we need more funding because I had, I had to build my own materials, my own product. Uh, we were very blessed. Right after I came back to Singapore, uh, a VC caught, I caught the eye of a VC um, and we got about 600K in funding uh, six months in the business. So that was great. A lot of funds were used to manufacture the product and we were trying to scale and sell the, the product. But then we faced a very big problem. Um, the first year when we were in the market, we had demand, but I didn't know better how to do sales effectively. So the second year, when I started learning a bit more about distribution channels, uh, sales methodologies, we were a bit too late, like competitors caught up. And not only so, technology changed the same need no longer exists. Like normal gloves actually work with our iPhones. So when there was no more need, no more market, that's when we realized that, hey, you know, it's time to pivot. So I, and also like when, when a product is commoditized, the price also drops. So when, I, when we first started, like we were selling $80 per glove. Um, in a year time, a similar glove could, could only go for like $40. Um, so I guess... The challenge with winter gloves product or like outdoor product that is seasonal is that there's only seasonal buying cycles. So 
So we had to pivot. I studied the wearable technology space because that was pretty much the space we were in. Studied the various technologies in Singapore. And I guess I realized that for me as an entrepreneur, my DNA is not so much about finding technologies and then finding solutions around it, but more so of what's the problem that I really want to solve? What is the problem that I'm passionate to solve? And a problem big enough that is faced by people all around the world. So that led me to discovering a bigger problem beyond just uh, not being able to use winter clothes. It's like a lot of businesses are struggling because of the lack of sales. And honestly speaking, when I look back, I always ask myself one question. What could I have done differently? What would I wish I knew about if I, when I started my first business? And the answer is sales. Because at the end of the day, sales is the bloodline of all business. Without sales, without revenue, there's nothing much you can do. Yes, you can get funding. Funds also will run out. So, so yeah, so that's how QuickDesk started in 2014. Wow, nice. That was your first business that you had to close it down. What was the, what was the emotions that you felt? Mm, actually, interestingly, I felt quite blessed. Uh, I felt quite blessed because um, I think we closed it in a right and proper way that I have no regrets for. Uh, we returned the remaining funds to the VC and whoever is backing the VC up. The lead investor in the VC was a really, really understanding person. He used to be an entrepreneur himself. He gave me time and space to, to pivot, to figure out what's next. And not only that, I guess, I still remember a friend of mine who was um, a senior and said, Shamin, not many people will be able to have a second chance. You know, when people close down the first company, the end. But here you have a second chance. So instead of feeling really down about it, I actually feel very blessed. Yeah, if there's any one thing that was a struggle, was really the audits. <laughs> so I've learned one thing in this business. Make sure you get your, your accounts proper because audits are no joke. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, tell me about it. Uh, that's not something that we always struggle every year. And my admins and my teams hate it, right? Because they spend months and months just going through accounts. So I think compliance is something that a lot of SME business owners don't look at. But it's so important, right? Even me going through my own personal journey with uh, the companies as well. I'm curious... Shami, could you share with the audience today what QuickDesk does? Oh, okay. So um, we pretty much help to grow businesses through the blend of technology and education, mainly in the area of sales. So if anybody asks us, how do I use automation uh, to drive more sales? That's pretty much the business we are in. Be it whether to automate communications or automate sales and marketing processes. Okay, and, and essentially is that is that a CRM? Is that a tool used for sales? We are pretty much, yes, it's used for sales and marketing. And we are pretty much a hybrid of like uh, sales enablement CRM, uh, cloud communications, as well as workflow automation. Okay. So you pivoted from a gloves business in a way that kind of touched technology a little bit. And then you discovered something and then you went to quick test. So why... And you mentioned it a little bit earlier, right? You you discovered a process which you struggle on in sales. But what was the significant reason QuickDesk was born? You know, like, when, when, I, when I really look back and I ask myself a question, you know, just going back to the statement, I see, if, what could I have done differently and what I wish I knew? And I wish I knew how to do sales. And when I reflected back in my school days, the funny thing is no one teaches sales. And yeah, it's such an important life skill. Like really businesses really close down because of lack of sales. Like I was in a startup incubator. Out of 10 startups, nine died. 
due to the lack of sales. Of course, people can say it's a product problem or whatsoever, but if you dig deeper, if, if you could do sales, you could move the product. And I think I really felt for that problem because I also wish I could be a better salesperson. And the second thing that what led it to like, oh, you know, if, if it's just about learning sales, wouldn't sales education be the meat? I, I realized because coming from a gloves company that is sort of like touching the surface of technology, the only way forward is technology. If you want to drive more sales, you cannot just think, think about, oh, just education alone. We need the blend of education and technology. In, in those days, I call it the blend of high tech and high touch to be equipped and to be empowered. So that really led me to quick desk. And I think I was also a bit scared of running an inventory-based business. I wanted something that's a lot more agile and software businesses allow us to be more agile. And in software businesses, the startup costs are lesser than inventory-based business? At the start, yes. Yeah. And that you started quick desk in 2014, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how, how has that business been since 2014? Well, roller coaster would be the word I give you. Okay. <laughs> Care to share some of your changes or your roller coaster rides? Yeah, I guess when I first started Quick Desk, I, I thought that it's all going to be super easy because it's like, okay, la, you know, last time I managed seven factories in China, it's already like tough, right? What's, what what we take to manage software engineers? Shouldn't be hard. La. Oh, I was so wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think which one is easier or harder. It's really the ability of management um, and being very clear in like where you want to drive it towards. So I pretty much had to unlearn and relearn a lot of things. Like being an entrepreneur before doesn't make you a better entrepreneur later unless you have learned your lessons from before. So when I started the business, um, we, we built our first product, which is a telemarketing system for Do Not Call List. It took us six weeks to develop, which is pretty fast, right? And we started making money after developing and launching in the market. But we had to we had to innovate and pivot because at a point in time, our pinpoint that we we're solving was do not call us. And I've always believed in a bond global product. So we reinvented and said, hey, you know, a bigger problem is not having a simple CRM, uh, a CRM focusing on helping salespeople and having a CRM that could really help salespeople drive more sales. We couldn't find one. And that was what we pivoted into. So we said, okay, la, you know, this product a bit more complex, six months. So we got in a round of like angel investment and six months. By six months mark, we were far from 50% done. And money was running out. Okay, okay, let, let's bootstrap, bootstrap. You know, we, we founders, founders don't earn, don't earn so much money. La. It's okay, okay. Nine months, seven months, eight months. Do not ready. And... The stress was really rising up because like we're really slowly, slowly depleting our funds and we couldn't sell more because the product's not ready. It brought a lot of stress to the team. And unfortunately, my first tech lead left the organization. And I have to take on the helm of becoming the tech lead with zero tech background. It was so wow. stressful. You were not yeah. technology educated, right? Not at all. My major is statistics. Yeah. So yeah, it was really stressful building a tech company without tech experience. And knowledge, but and then we had like a group of developers from another country to help us develop the product. And because I don't have enough experience and knowledge, whatever they say sounds logical and objective and okay. But when things don't turn out the way I thought it should, I started questioning everything. Um, I'm super thankful I had a mentor from School of Computing 
a professor who literally walked me through all the decision making in terms of technology to use and all. Um, by November 2015, I was like, hey, you know what? We only left $30 in the bank. Um, it's too stressful running a tech company with zero tech experience. Learning tech is such a steep learning curve. I told my first co-founder, hey, you know, I, I don't think this is for us. I think it's time to close it off. Uh, and in that one week, two things happened. Suddenly, my professor's classmate decided to be our interim tech lead. And we got approved by the government to be one of the uh, tech solutions and CRMs for SME. And we started raking in money from $30 to 50000 in one month, one week actually, and from having no tech lead to having a tech lead. And it all happened the moment I said, hey, I want to give this up. Wow, $30 so, in the bank, you're going to give it up, and then suddenly things changed. Yeah. Why do you think that happened? Because God didn't want me to give up running a business. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess you asked me about like some of the highlights, right? And the same story, but in a greater happened again in 2018 this time around we, we were making a lot of money but um, we experienced a fraud and because we experienced a fraud like the potential revenue were all not coming in and and I mean I wasn't mature or be, do I well equipped enough to know how to handle a fraud so I was really very lost Um, we sold to 700 SMEs we had 700 SMEs to take care of and I think at that point in time I told God, I said, hey, you know, this startup is really not for me. Uh, can you just like, let me give it up, please? And merge my company with another friend of mine. And during that period of time, I think the greatest learning lesson was, um, so I told God, I said, hey, you know, this is it's just too stressful. And I, I guess I entered depression like some of the entrepreneurs would. And, the, and I said, it's the same history because the same point that I asked God and said, no, this business is not for me. I don't want to run this business. He yet again provided another miracle. So when, during the period when the company was ha having the support for investigation of the fraud, uh, we had revenue held up, we had to think about what to do next, how to conserve cash, the team left. But all in all, what was really interesting was that we started to seek God a lot more and ask him like, hey, you know, why am I here? Who am I? What am I supposed to do? And because of that, I, I started to realize that what went wrong in the past two years was that I was just so focused on making money, which I mean is common in running a business, but forgotten about the why I started this business in the first place. What was it supposed to achieve? What was the value that we are supposed to bring to people? And because we, I got blinded by the money, everything fell apart. It's like growing a tree and only focusing on the leaves and forget, forgetting about the trunk and the roots that was so important to keep the tree wrong, right? So the miracle that happened was, um, so on Good Friday weekend, I, I was in church and I was like, yeah, let me give this up. And then suddenly the message, the same message I hear every year stood up. The message was God had already died on the cross for your sins. If God could forgive you, why can't you forgive yourself? And at the juncture, I, I realized that, you know, like, yes, I agree that I was chasing money. I agree that I wasn't the best steward um, as an entrepreneur, um, but there will always be a second chance. And the second thing that stood out was, as God turned my test and a testimony, give me peace out of my depression, give me light out of my darkness, he also gave, spoke to me a word, value-based selling. He reminded me on the very reason why I started QuickDesk, which is really to help a lot of the other entrepreneurs and startups to drive more sales um, when they are doing really great products and service. 
and to be reminded that it's possible that we can help people who have the right values to drive more sales. So the miracle happened when I was in Israel. The grant that got um, paused got reapproved, and the fraud got cleared. So we became the, the one of the vendors that managed to clear all the funds. And by that point in time, I just said, I surrender. This business is yours, God. I'm going to run it your way. And I'll be back taking on this calling as an entrepreneur because I know I'm caught for it. Wow, so amazing. I'm really amazed by how grounded you are. And yet, you know, you can really run your business and really say, you know, this is something of a higher power. Shamin, uh, so how is the business today? You've gone through the fraud. You've gone through the $30 in your bank account. How are you today? Mm, interesting. So maybe I'll step back first and share some of the, the timelines. 2018, the fraud got cleared in the mid-2018. Um, but we, we had to continue rebuilding the business, supporting all the past audits. We pretty much were... And the greatest blessing actually was joining EO. Yeah, I joined EO at the most bottom part of my entrepreneurship journey. And so step by step, I managed to find back my vision. Uh, the why I set this business, what I need to do to run the business or gather back all the experiences that make an impact as an entrepreneur. 2018, 2019 was really consolidation and refiguring it out. And 20, and I think another good thing that happened in EO was finding mentors. I had two good great mentors in EO that like was so significant in my life. So going back to 2020, we went from being in debt to being profitable. So we scaled like 4x last year and we are continually growing this year. Super 4x. Okay, Charmaine, I have a final question for you. So now looking back at the last 10 years, going through Isglas, going through the ups and downs, going through quickness, going through your turnaround story, uh, going from fraud now to a 4X business and more, what do you feel has been your greatest discoveries? I think sometimes when you are caught to something, be thankful for it, embrace it, and keep learning and growing from it. Like, like I shared the story about in my roller coaster, so many times I wanted to throw the web blanket and run away from it. But he will always remind me, this is your calling. I have been blessed to find my calling. Carry on. Every storm, there will always be a rainbow, a silver lining at the end of it all. The second thing, um, never sacrifice your principles. Always remember why you start what you do. Because the moment you stray away from the why, and that's when things will falter. Because it's like a tree, that same root that you try to grow the tree, you started to try, you started to cross pollinate and use another seed. The first tree that you started building will definitely weaken. It's not about building many trees, but it's about growing a very strong big tree that could house many little plants. The third thing, I think it's really important is really having faith and having an end in mind. Uh, when I first started business, this business, I was like, okay, la, tech company can build and sell. But it was never in God's plan for me to build and sell. It was about leaving a legacy. So I guess throughout this journey, I managed to, you know, reconsolidate myself, have a very clear 10-year vision, we call it in the EO journey, the BHAC. And that led me to, to jump through many other hoops over the past one, two years with the right foundations. So yeah, these three points. Super, Charmaine. You know, it's just been such a great conversation with you today and really understanding, you know, different people have different stories. But first of all, Charmaine, I understand that you've just celebrated a milestone. 
I want to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. And you know what? Uh, may the lessons of yesterday create abundance of joy for you today, tomorrow, and every day. Charmaine, I want to say thank you for sharing your stories and being here with me today. My take home today from this conversation is really understanding the change is really constant and understanding from the different changes that you've gone through. The one thing to always remember is to be brave. Uh, be brave to understand that there's always a next step. There's always a second chance. If we really look for the second chance, we will not only receive it, we can actually grow from it. And, you know, discovering going back to the whys, the DNAs, what, what is our whys and what is the DNA of our, us as an entrepreneur? And whenever we get any second chances or third or fourth chance, we will get it. But we got to trust in a higher power of what we were destined to do. Um, I love your sharing about the tree and not focusing on the leaf, but really focusing on the roots, the trunk of the tree, and never ever sacrificing our principles and really trust that whatever roots that were created for us, it is the right path, regardless of what leaves that it turns out to be. So thank you for coming on today. And I'd like to say thank you everybody for listening. Let's rise and fly. You've been listening to an EO APAC production. If you enjoyed today's episode, do hit subscribe and share it with your friends and family. I look forward to sharing with you the next story of a phoenix rising. <laughs>